Talk Live. Hey, it's Free Talk Live, and we have open phones for you. Should you wish to join the program, you can take control of the airwaves. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. In the studio tonight, it's Ian and Aria. Now, you can bring up anything you want. We're going to go actually to your calls and thoughts because somebody called in before we started the show. Yeah, so I assume they're watching on a video platform. Uh, yep, actually I asked, and uh, he said it was Twitch, so we're going to get to that here in just a moment. But on the way here tonight, of course, you can bring up anything you want. One of the big news stories, I think Edward Snowden was talking about this recently, is uh, this Pegasus story. So remember Edward Snowden, uh, he was the big leaker from the uh, NSA NSA contractor, former, former CIA contractor, I believe as well. Uh, who in 2013, now not quite a decade ago, but most of a decade ago, came out and revealed that the NSA had some pretty nasty technological tools to allow them to hack into uh, people's cell phones and laptops and things like that. He basically confirmed to the world what libertarians had been telling the world the government was doing for the last 20 years. Yes, he did. And you know what? Uh, it's been a most of a decade. Those tools, they're better than they've ever been. Unfortunately so. I mean, they seem to be better than Pegasus, at least, because on the maps that I saw, the U.S. government didn't seem to be using Pegasus. So that's what we're going to talk about is this Pegasus thing, which I had not heard of before basically today. Um, What is it? Who's using it? We'll talk about it. Um, But it could mean, you know, your phone has been violated if, uh, let's say, you're the target of an investigation by some foreign government agency, for instance, or maybe even a domestic government agency. Now, like you said, there's some sort of list of states that have utilized this company, Pegasus. Is the, is the name of the company Pegasus? Or no, it's NSO, isn't it? Yes, the, the, they the are tool. an Israeli hacking agency, apparently, mm-hmm. some some you know arm of the Israeli government, and they developed this tool and they're selling it out to dictators and authoritarian regimes anybody who'll pay the tab sure basically so we can talk about that your uh, calls and thoughts are welcome and 603-283-6160 is the number let's go to the phones to jamal he's on the line calling from the uk you're on free talk live good morning jamal are you with us jamal going once jamal going twice oh he was there a moment ago let's make sure we can hear anything at all uh anyway We'll check back with him. Maybe uh, there are some technical difficulties. I've definitely got him unmuted, so it wasn't me this time. Awesome. Yeah. I've definitely been guilty of that myself. Yeah. Um, It could be our phone system. We'll see. Anyway, here's the story from The Guardian. Human rights activists, journalists, and lawyers across the world have been targeted by authoritarian governments using hacking software sold by the Israeli surveillance company NSO Group, according to an investigation into a massive data leak. Okay, so they're not an arm of the Israeli government? Well, I don't know. Okay. Uh, The investigation by The Guardian and 16 other media organizations suggests widespread and continuing abuse of NSO's hacking spyware. Well, I mean, in what way could you possibly not abuse hacking spyware? I mean, mean, it's designed to be abused. Using it is abusing it. Right. Any use of hacking spyware is abusing somebody else's privacy. Unless you're, you know, doing white hat work and trying to find vulnerabilities for a company to better improve their, you know, security and they've Mm -hmm. authorized you to do this. In that particular case, sure, you're not violating anyone's privacy. 
But uh, that's the only scenario where it would be okay. Yeah, in the standard intended use for this software, the whole point is to violate people's privacy and find out things you're not supposed to know. The company insists it's only intended for use against criminals and terrorists. But we all know that the governments of the world have a wide definition of what they consider to be criminal. And terrorist. Yeah. They consider people to be criminal for doing things like selling Bitcoin, for instance. They consider people to be criminal for smoking marijuana. They consider people to be criminal for driving too fast, you know, allegedly too fast down uh, any old street. So, I mean, there's all kinds of criminal things out there. And so should you have your phone hacked because the government thinks you might be a criminal or that you are a criminal? Because everybody's a criminal in the United States. I think there's a it's book. It's unavoidable. Isn't there a book that some lawyer wrote called Three Felonies a Day? I've never read it, but I've heard that such a book exists. Yeah. It's either three felonies or five felonies a day. Ah, I'm, who's counting? Yeah. I mean, one felony a day would be too many. That would that would suggest that we have too many laws on the books if right. a person can, you know, commit three felonies every Without single day. Without even knowing it. Yes. That's the thing. It's not like you're intentionally cre- uh, committing felonies. It's just there are so many felonies and there are so many so-called crimes out there that literally everyone is a criminal. It's just the, you know, what, the question is whether the government gang wants to go after you or not. Yep. Because if they want to go after you, they can find something. And people have the audacity to call this the land of the free. Oh, uh, do do people still do that? Uh, um, Presumably. I don't don't know. No no one in my circle does. Well, I mean, even outside of your circle. I mean, do actually people do that anymore? Because I know that there was a time doing this show like more than a decade ago when we might have actually had somebody call in and make some sort of assertion like that. But honestly, I haven't even heard... Our callers suggest that. Well, they say it during the national anthem, at least. Mm -hmm. They, They sing of the state's... True. Glory during their little prayer. I think people shut their brains off, though, you know, when yeah. they do that sort of stuff. Well, that's what religion typically does to people. Yeah. Pe- uh, peg- well, I'll say organized religion because, I mean, yeah. I'm religious, just not in a particularly organized manner. Right. Uh, Pegasus is malware that infects iPhones and Android devices to enable operators of the tool to extract messages, photos, and emails, record calls, and secretly activate microphones. Sounds a lot like what the federal government actually had me install on my cell phone uh, <laughs> recently, although, from what I understand, it may not be able to secretly activate the microphone, but it can do a lot of that other stuff. Uh, the leak contains a list of more than 50,000 phone numbers that it is, by the way, for listeners that don't know, the reason I've installed that software is because I'm out on bail conditions that are very, very restrictive after the FBI raided our studios and not just this studio, but raided your home as well, Aria, back in uh, in March. So in case you were wondering why I, I've got government spyware that I know about on my phone, that's why. Uh, so the leak contains a list of more than 50,000 phone numbers that it is believed have been identified as those of people of interest by clients of NSO since 2016. Forbidden Stories, a Paris-based nonprofit media organization and Amnesty International, initially had access to the leaked list and shared access with media partners as part of the Pegasus Project, a reporting consortium. Ah, okay, so Pegasus is the, is the malware, and Pegasus Project is a group of reporters that is focusing on this issue. Okay. The presence, that's because... And the reason why this, uh, the media is really concerned with this is because journalists are on this list. So, you know, they're they're extra interested in this particular story because they themselves are now the targets of this uh, this malware. Well, this was inevitable once they allowed Julian Assange to be taken into custody for essentially being a member of the press. And he's still in custody, by the way, still uh, now awaiting an appeal on a decision that was supposed to let him out 
of jail. The judge in the case uh, in the the UK court, which was looking at whether or not to extradite him to the United States, to base, basically faced 100 plus years in prison for so-called spying or whatever, even though he's never been to the United States. I mean, he, ju- he was just a journalist who released information to the world like yeah. you would expect a journalist to do. So uh, the judge in that case had said, we're not going to extradite you because really? the yeah, this was back in January actually. Um, they said we're not going to extradite you, so we're ruling in your favor, but we have to allow. The, oh, and the reason was the judge said that, or magistrate, or whatever the hell they're called in in the UK, the robed person in the UK, the priest, right? The high priest decided that the U.S. government's arguments were fine. That under a normal circumstance, they would have gone ahead with the extradition, but they didn't believe that the U.S. could keep him from killing himself in a prison cell. And so, therefore, because the judge didn't think the U.S. prison system was up to snuff, they denied the extradition. And now the U.S. gets to I guess that's better than nothing. Yeah. But But they weren't able to keep Jeffrey Epstein from supposedly killing himself. So it doesn't seem like they'd be able to prevent Assange either. So that's what – basically the judge was saying, well, we don't think that you're going to successfully be able to keep this person in torture for the rest of their lives. He might kill himself. Which he should be allowed to do anyway. It's his life. If he wants to end it, he has that right. Therefore, denied extradition. But now the U.S. can appeal. So the judge ruled that he has to stay in the jail cell. As long as this appeal process takes. They weren't just going to... They're just going to release him if they're not going to extradite him? He'll be free? He will be free. Wow. Here's to hoping. After the appeals are exhausted, which God knows how long that's going to take. 603-283-6160. More about the Pegasus Project, this latest malware. Is it installed on your phone? It's Free Talk Live. Oh yeah, it is Free Talk Live, and yes, we confirm the phones are working correctly, so feel free to join us if you want. The number is 603-283-6160. Whether your phone has the Pegasus malware on it that uh, apparently can infect both iPhone and Android devices and enable the operators of the malware to extract your messages, your photos, your emails, record your calls... Which I'm impressed with because uh, in a lot of cases you can't even, you know, even with like the Android software, you can't even download a call recording software. With yeah, I've looked. There was like one version of Android. I think it might have been Android version 9 where you could actually do it. But 10 or 11, you can't record your own calls. That's that. frustrating. Yeah, with that phone. Well, so it is frustrating, but apparently this malware can do it. People probably don't have Pegasus on their device. However, they almost certainly still have this malware called DIN. What's that? that? It appeared back in like 2015 or so. It created this massive, the largest botnet that the world had ever seen. Millions wow. of infected devices. What were the bots doing? I don't recall exactly what. I think they were doing DDNS attacks, which is where... Oh my. They just sort of gang up on this server in order to bring it down. Right. And you know, millions of devices throughout the world. I don't remember the exact number of millions, but it was enough that it was it was probably it was a safe assumption to assume it was on your device and to search for it, but no one ever did. And how was it getting installed? Who knows? Yeah. Right. That's one of the important questions when it comes to this is like how does this stuff get on people's phones in the first place? And they do touch on that in this story. So just to you know, freshen you up on this, if you're just tuning in, 50,000 phone numbers have been leaked. 
And presumably that comes from the uh, the company that manufactures the software, which is called NSO Group. It's an Israeli surveillance company. Are those phone numbers searchable? I don't know if that database is available yet. It's At this time, it has been shared with the media partners that are operating as part of the Pegasus Project, which is described as a reporting consortium here in the Guardian piece about this. Uh, the presence of a phone number in the data doesn't reveal whether the device was actually infected with Pegasus or subject to an attempted hack. However, the consortium believes the data is indicative of the potential targets that NSO's government clients identified in advance of possible surveillance attempts. So if your number's on this list, it probably means they're trying to get into your phone if they haven't successfully done so. It at least means your government is interested in you. And no interested in invading your privacy. Forensics, and it may not be your government either. It may be a foreign government as True. well. Any, any of their clients, uh, presumably, is one of them is interested in you. Forensics analysis of a small number of phones whose numbers appeared on the leaked list also showed that more than half had traces of the Pegasus spyware. The Guardian and its media partners will be revealing the identities of people whose number appeared on the list in the coming days. They include hundreds of business executives, religious figures, academics, NGOs, employees, union officials, and government officials, including cabinet ministers, presidents, and prime ministers. I love that NGO employees ended up, you know, being targeted by this software. It's like, you guys, you kind of deserved this. If anyone deserved it, it's, it's them. They might have been doing it just for testing purposes, though. Also true. The list also contains the numbers of close family members of one's country, one country's ruler, suggesting the ruler may have instructed their intelligence agencies to explore the possibility of monitoring their own relatives. Just look at what people do in the name of power. Can't trust oh, yeah. his own friends and family. Own Can family. you imagine? And, and he's okay with that. He, he doesn't want to eliminate that power apparatus that requires him to not trust his friends and family. He just wants to spy on his he's friends and family. He's embracing it completely. Yeah. The, whoever he is. The disclosures could be any, any president, right? The disclosures began Sunday with a revelation that the numbers of more than 180 journalists are listed in the data, including reporters, editors, and executives at the Financial Times, CNN, New York Times, France 24, The Economist, Associated Press, and Reuters. The phone number of a freelance Mexican reporter, uh, Cecilio Pineda Berto, was found in the list, apparently of interest to a Mexican client in the weeks leading up to his murder, when his killers were able to locate him at a car wash. Maybe that's because they had GPS data, thanks to this uh, hacking tool. His phone was never found, so therefore no no forensic analysis that. has been possible to establish whether it was infected. NSO said that even if Pineda's phone had been targeted, it didn't mean data collected from his phone contributed in any way to his death, stressing governments could have discovered his location by other means. He was among Yes, the, but why go through the trouble when you have access to his device and right. can just look at his location? It was among at least 25 Mexican journalists apparently selected as candidates for surveillance over a two-year period. Uh, according to the story, without forensic examination of the devices, it's impossible to say whether the phones were subjected to an attempted or successful hack using Pegasus. NSO has always maintained that it doesn't operate the systems that it sells to vetted government customers and does not have access to the data of the customers of its customers' targets. But don't worry. Oh, I feel so much safer. They're vetting them. Oh. We're only giving this to certain governments because some governments are okay, right? Like the Mexican government that presumably killed this journalist. Yes. Uh, or maybe it wasn't the Mexican government. Maybe the Mexican government has somebody, you know, inside of it that has access to this tool that's actually working for, 
you know, a drug cartel or something. Who knows what level of corruption you've got here? But the fact is, whether you'll you find th- it in every government, by yes. the way, that's not a take on Mexico. That's no. a take on just government in general. They they all have they they have power structures and they have people yeah. who can use those to exploit exploit them for their own benefit. And they all have quote unquote enemies. And anybody who is against that government on whatever position is that government's enemy, that administration's enemy, whether it be somebody inside their own political party who's fighting to, you know, be the next nominee for the governor's seat or whatever, or whether it be the other political party or somebody else on the outside that is a a perceived threat or quote unquote criminal. I mean, they can use this software against whoever they want to, as the company admits they, or claims they don't even have access to the data of the customers. That, so their customers are governments, yes. and their customers have data that people that they're targeting. This company says they don't even know who it is. They have no way of accessing that information. Which may or may not be true. It may or may not. But either way, they're they're using that as their sort of you know cover your ass move of like, well, we don't know. We're just uh, hey, we vetted these governments. We said, are you a good good? Are you a good little government? Here's our vetting process. Well, a, go, a good, a good little government wouldn't ask for this software. No, of course not. Uh, but you know, they've got whatever their vetting process looks like. I'm sure it's like, okay, you're only going to use this for good reasons, going after real bad criminals, right? Yes, yes, we are. Okay, and you've got a lot of money in your bank account to transfer us <laughs> to us, right? Yes, yes, we do. Here's the first payment. Okay, check. You're done. Here's I think it's software. probably simpler than that. Mm-hmm. I suspect it says, hey, we need to see some sort, some sort of proof that you're a government employee. Mm. That's a good question. So uh, NSO denied, quote, false claims made about the activities of its clients, but said it would continue to investigate all credible claims of misuse and take appropriate action. It said the list could not be a could not be a list of numbers targeted by governments using Pegasus and described the 50,000 figure as exaggerated. The company but sells... The- but the media has the list of numbers, and they know how to count or how to yes. look at a spreadsheet. And what's not clear is where the numbers came from. It was leaked, but from whom? How did this leak? You know, what are the circumstances around this leak? We, we don't know at this point. Who are the governments that are watching CNN reporters? The company sells only to military, law enforcement, and intelligence agencies in 40 unnamed countries. They say it rigorously vets its customers' human rights records before allowing them to use its spy tools. What a load. There's no country out there that has a good human rights record. There is not. They're all violent psychopaths who are using the threat of violence and actual violence to control people's lives. And this only helps them in that goal. There's more coming up here. You can join us on the radio. It's Free Talk Live. Brute force, intransigent defiance, adamantine will. These are the hallmarks of the AI tank. These gigantic machines have the firepower of an army, but they also have their own sense of honor and duty. When the world breakers arrive, battle will be joined, planets will shake, and war and peace will never be the same again. World breakers. Stories from David Weber, Larry Correa, and more. Available August 3rd from BaneBooks.com. It's Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want here. The number 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. We're talking about the NSO Group. What is that? Well, it's an Israeli company 
that is selling software to governments, including police departments, including military and intelligence agencies in 40 unnamed countries. It's, saying, it's amazing to me that it's not a violation of some law to create hacking software and then sell it to foreign governments. It, but hmm. That's bound to qualify as some sort of espionage for the for another government or something i would think yeah i don't know i mean it i mean it's also israel so and chances are there there's pretty close ties between the israeli government and this company a lot of these a lot of these governments out there love the israeli government for whatever reason and they protect it right so like a a Mm -hmm. bunch of the government goons in the united states are all about giving taxpayer dollars to israel so they can oppress the people in Palestine, apparently. And create software like yeah, this. Yeah. And, and, and you're speculating that it's government-connected, but why wouldn't it be? You know? It, it is speculation. What but are the odds that it isn't right. government-connected? I mean, that, that's exactly it. The Israelis are sort of known for their intelligence apparatus. Like, as far as governments are concerned out there, yeah. the Israeli you know, government, military, intelligence types are sort of noteworthy. So we can continue with that story. Your calls and thoughts are welcome. Let's go first to Clamoring. She's on the line in New Hampshire calling from the North Country. Hello, Clamoring. Hi there. Um, hey. So I want to uh, talk tonight not to abruptly change the topic, but I want to talk tonight about child protective services. Oh, boy. Um, All right. There's always terrifying news about these people. What's going on? Well, I wouldn't say there's news, but I just have some thoughts um, or the conglomerates that serve that function. And I'm in New Hampshire. So the local state authority is the Division for Children, Youth and Families, also known as DCYF. Okay. And I come from a background as a support for people, men or women, who are coming from situations where they might have been abused. And a lot of times kids are involved. And as anyone who has gone through a divorce can tell you, kids are always in the middle of that, no matter what the best of intentions of anyone are, the parents, the state, or anyone. Kids are always in the crossfire. Yeah, it sucks. Um, But I'm calling today as a recently licensed foster parent, and I'm calling just to express my views on how the state runs child welfare services. Um, Can it be summarized as badly? (laughs) That's that's an understatement. (laughs) Um, So one of the foster children that was recently in my care apparently had marks. Um, and so now I am under investigation. <laughs> wow. And, um, yeah, I know. I Hold know on. You, you just became, wait, wait, wait. You just became a, a licensed foster parent? Yes. And already they're investigating you? My my first placement, yeah. So the child came to you with marks on him? Uh, no, he no. didn't have any marks on him as far as I saw. But apparently somebody reported there were marks. I I never saw them. Mm. Well, so, he's a he's a child, and children play, and mm-hmm. they yeah. can be injured in the course of playing. Absolutely. Okay, hold on. T- let's let's talk about what are the requirements are for this because I've never looked into this. I have no interest in it uh, whatsoever. But you've got to jump through some obviously some hoops in order to be a licensed foster parent. Is one of those requirements that the child must go to a government school? Um, the child was not in school. He was, uh, preschool age, but I can tell you that it's, I spent about nine, 10 months getting licensed. 
Mm. So very, very invasive home studies. I had DCYF in my house. I had background checks. I had, you know, all of, I had to sign releases for all of my um, medical care providers to release their personal opinions about me mm. to them. And, and, and it's really like my intent was just to, because the, the system, as I understand it, is rife with abuse. And so I thought, well, if I can just provide a safe space for some kiddos until their parents get their stuff together, then, you know, I would like to do that. I, I have the ability to do that. So I would like to be able to provide that. Um, and Good no, public kind of, service. <laughs> huh? I said that's a good public service. I mean, we all pay it forward in whatever way we can, right? Well, in theory, I mean, it's a theoretically good idea, but, you know, now you're in bed with the state. And so as a result of that, they literally have access to your bedroom. They have access to your entire house. Uh, they have, they're getting into your business in a way that they have never done. And now you did consent to it. Um, but man, that's, that can't be an easy thing to go through, especially for, you know, a libertarian minded person. Um, do you want to say what they pay for foster uh, parent care? Like what's, what's this? It's, there is no profit margin. Like you don't do this as a job. You do this like just to break even if you're lucky. Well, because we know all the horror stories of the, the foster systems where people will become foster parents and then like lock the kids in cages and feed them the barest of bare minimums to keep them alive so they can spend the rest of the money on crack or or whatever. So I mean certainly there are people who figure out ways to uh to abuse this system. But within with so how long after you got the license did this kid get delivered and then how long after the kid got delivered to you did the investigation start? So let me back you up there because the kid got delivered before I actually was, um, before the state told me that I was licensed, they were like, Hey, we have a placement for you. And I was like, uh, they were like, Oh, you have a license. It's just not there yet. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's a huge need for it. There's a huge need for safe spaces for kids. That's what I was going to suggest is that the fact that you had a placement before your license had even arrived in the mail suggests that they are overwhelmed. The foster system is overwhelmed. Quite, yes. So you got this kid. Maybe they should stop taking kids from parents that don't lock them in cages and feed them, yeah. you know, bread every day. So nail, you nail so them. you get this this preschool age child, uh, presumably, and you how is it that the, you know, alleged marks came on it? It's not going to a school like where how did the marks get discovered? Can you tell us more about this? I have no idea because um so the child who was a five-year-old was uh, is autistic. Okay. Um, and so he walked around on his tippy toes, kind of flapping his arms. But he, you know, I, he took a shower the night before he was removed from my care, or I, I requested they be removed from my care mm-hmm. just to be specific. He wasn't like forcefully removed, but um, you know, I, I stood in the doorway and I, coached him through, you know, you need to put soap on your hands and you need to wash this part and you need to wash that part, et cetera, et cetera. And he didn't have a mark on him. So Mm. I was very, very, very shocked to hear um, there were any marks on him. Okay. So I'm still a little confused. 
at what point did you find this out? Was it after you gave up the ch- the child back to the system that they looked at him and said, oh, he's got a mark on him? Or did the allegation yeah. come in at some point and then you gave the child up? No, it was the next day after I gave the child, the children, there was a sibling pair. Um, so I asked the state to remove them from mm-hmm. my care because like they were younger than I were really could take care of. I see. Um, so they removed them. And then the next day, that's when the allegations turned out. And then mm. I just had the, um, home interview. So DCYF and the local police showed up in my driveway this morning. Oh, I'm sure that was fun. Yeah, it was great. I was so excited. I was so excited. Did you record um, the uh, the interview? I did not. Mm, okay. Um, I did not, but um, yeah. Why not? Anyway. Um, I didn't think about it. Okay. Always record yourself yeah, I just when you're interacting give, with cops. Yeah, I just want to give people the suggestion here. Uh, if a cop shows up at your house and you feel like you should talk to them for some reason, which is generally a bad plan, um, the very least you might want to consider getting it on the record because, you know, you can't trust what they're going to say about you later on. Uh, but if you had more to sh- uh, share with the story, it sounds like it's developing into something kind of scary. Thank you, Clamoring. If you want, you can stay. Free Talk Live, and you can join us here. The number 603-283-6160. You can take control of the airwaves and bring up anything with you tonight. It's Ian. And Aria. 603-283-6160. Free Talk Live is brought to you by Bitcoin.com. It is time. If you haven't taken the time yet, you can. It's just like five minutes of your life to watch a real short introductory video about cryptocurrency like Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash. And they got that for you over at Bitcoin.com. Just click Get Started there at the top of the page. Once again, that is Bitcoin.com. If you're brand new to crypto, it's a great place to go and learn the basics. If you're not new and you want to get the latest news headlines, you can do that. Uh, All you have to do is head over to news.bitcoin.com. That's news.bitcoin.com. As we continue here, we've got Clamoring. She's on the line with us telling us the first and already awful story of her involvement with uh, the foster care system here in New Hampshire, which I'm sure is bad, if not worse, in a lot of places. Uh, and you had just gotten started. You'd gotten your first delivery of uh, foster charges or kids or whatever they're called uh, in the system. <laughs> you, within a, a, what, a couple nights, decided to send them back because they were just too young, essentially, for you to uh, take care of? Yeah, they were much younger than I had told um, DCYF that I wanted to take. Mm-hmm. Um but they kind of guilted me into it saying, if you don't take them, then we're going to have to split up this sibling group. Mm. So did they end up I, doing that? No, they, I took them together. But, um, I mean, but now they're not with you. So presumably they did split them up. You wouldn't no, know. They went, they went, they found another family oh, okay. to take them both. Well, that's so good. they are, they are brother and sister together. So okay, but I'm then pr- was it the other family that said, hey, there's a mark on this kid and now you're being investigated? They don't tell me who reported it. Mm-hmm. And so what is it like? I mean, you said a cop came over to your house as well as one of these DCYF agents 
and yeah. decided to start asking you questions. What were the marks? Did they did you get to see photographs, or did they they did this? Did they describe them to you at all, or did they just say? They did describe them to me, and from what they described, and even by their own admission, they sounded like bug bites. Hmm. Um, but, you know, I'm glad that someone is taking marks on children seriously. Um, if there's marks on a, a child in foster care, I'm glad someone's looking into it. Sure, but Clearly. what could a human being, have, what could an adult do to a child that would resemble a bug bite? Yeah, they they were saying there was like a little mark between the shoulder blades. It was like a little uh, circle with a like a you know a, a pinpoint in the middle. <laughs> and a like, verbatim I, description I, of a bug bite. Uh, yeah, yeah. I well, they think like you they locked him in a room with a bunch of wasps or something. No, they they were not actually accusatory, but they. Definitely, we're like, we have to just ask you some questions. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say apologetic, but um, very neutral, I guess. But Well, yeah, I mean, they're not going to come in there and accuse you because, well, that's not a good way to get somebody to answer questions, right? So they mm -hmm. have to play it, you know, slow, take it easy, and then maybe they'll, maybe somebody will admit to a thing that they're looking for them to admit to. Um, I mean... What a waste of tax money. Yeah. Yeah. And what yeah. a waste of human bites. reasoning. Bureaucrats, man. We have to investigate every report. I'm, okay, I understand that way you don't miss any, but you could look at this here and from what you described, immediately see that it's a bug bite and that there's nothing to investigate. That's I mean, very different from finding a bump on the child's head or something like well, that. I, and I could understand if they were like covered in them, if, you know, from head right. to toe, they were bitten all over the place, like suggesting that they were, as you suggested, locked in a room with, you know, mosquitoes or, or kept outside and not being allowed to, to come back in. Uh, I mean, you live in the North Country. I'm sure there's no shortage of mosquitoes around around your house. I've, I've been to it before. Uh, you're, you know, you're kind of in the woods. So, of course, there's going to be mosquitoes around there. But if it's just a couple of mosquito bites, I mean, I was out walking well, the dog bite. the other day. Yeah, well, if I was out walking the dog the other day for, I don't know, 40 minutes or something like that, and I came back with at least five of them. Well, and it's funny that you should mention that, too, because I had asked the main DCYF investigator where she was from. I was like, are you coming from Manchester? Are you coming from Concord? Like, where, where are you coming from? And she would not tell me. And I was like, well, it's a little different up here, you know, <laughs> Um she was like, I, I represent the whole state of New Hampshire. I'm like, oh, all right, fine. I get I get your point. So to your knowledge, you haven't been cut off. There's been no pun punishment or anything dealt out to you. They're just investigating at this point. Well, they are investigating, but I am I can only assume. Nobody's told me this outright, but I just know from working other angles of the system that I – won't be allowed another placement until this investigation is concluded gotcha. and investigations can take a month or two. Mm. And, you know, typically my um, involvement has been as a support to parents and they're like, DCYF won't call me back. They won't call me back. They won't call me back. And I'm leaving messages and, so well, I wish I'm you the best, uh, Clamoring, and thanks for the call. Thanks for telling the story tonight. I mean, look, you know, people get involved in the state, and I understand she did it for what she considers to be the right reasons, right? She wants to help kids. That's, sure. There's nothing wrong with that.
Um, but unfortunately, the way you do it in this particular case is by working for the government. And that means you're going to be subjected to whatever kind of scrutiny that well, they want to subject you to. That's no fun. You can't do the foster care care thing, I don't think, without subjecting yourself to the whims of the government. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, because they're the only ones who have the authority to actually forcibly right. remove children from their parents. Yep. So if you want to help foster kids... That's the only game in town. That sucks. Uh, let's continue here. We got Ridley on the line. He's also in New Hampshire. Ridley, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, guys. It's just amazing to me how the best activists in the world here in New Hampshire, even they don't get video of their interactions with bureaucrats yeah. when they should. Yeah. As Ari was saying during the break, you know, it's not like they just broke in your window or anything like that and you're caught with it with no clothes on like what happened here. Uh, you know, when we were raided on March 16th at the studio, if it's just some bureaucrats coming up, knocking on your door, you got plenty of time to get that phone out and hit the record button. And as I said, if, if they ever catch me even off guard, if it's like on the street or something like that, and they say a thing to me, I'll even just say, Hey, hey hold on. And then pull out my phone, start recording and say, all right, what, what did you say? And then have them say whatever it was they said initially again. So I get video of it. Bureaucrats and police yeah. always behave better when they're being videotaped. Most of the time. Uh, unless they become hostile and agitated because yeah. they're being videotaped. But at least here in Keene, they're accustomed to it. Yeah. So I have better news. Uh, and this is a little bit really centric. I hope I may be forgiven for that. But I've just had the best Liberty Day that I have had since 2019. Wow. Okay. And some of it does affect you and you're going to like it. So I'm going to start with an escalating mode from the least important, the most important thing that happened. So first thing that happened today was I got a bunch of answers to a question. Uh, we're, we're, I, I need more talk radio shows I can call into. They're hard to find by Google. Hmm. And I got a big list from a bunch of different people. Nice. Uh, so, uh, you know, several different people. And now that's going to allow me to expand my ability to talk about what you guys are doing. And cool. What other Thanks for that. Activists in New Hampshire are doing. That's some of your activism you've been doing for years is just calling, making a regular habit. I don't know how many times a week you do it. I bet, I'm betting it's several of calling multiple talk shows across New Hampshire, like local call-in shows, which a lot of times they don't have anybody on the line. There's nobody there to talk to them. I mean, we've only got you on the line, Ridley. It's not like we've got a bunch of calls waiting. And we're a national show. Think about how you know sometimes a local show would be completely wide open to get into. So you've been doing this for a long time, and now you've got more targets. So very good. So the, um, the other thing that happened today that was really awesome, uh, or more awesome than that anyway, uh, was that I... Uh, I received a, oh, I can't remember, I'm trying to remember what the middle one was. Uh, uh, I'm going to get back to you on that. The, okay. the, the most exciting thing was that um, I received, oh, oh, the second most exciting, the second most exciting thing was that I got, a, I got, got in contact with Mr. Bitcoin. Love nice. it. Mr. Uh, Bitcoin, the, the new uh, mascot, basically. With he, he, It looks like a giant Bitcoin. You can see his photo at social.freetalklive.com. I posted it on my profile when Mr. Bitcoin came to visit, I don't know, two days ago or something like that. And uh, it's an, an amazing looking, high quality, like sports level mascot outfit with a huge, you know, orange colored Bitcoin with, you know, anthropomorphized with eyes on right. it, a smiley face, and a hat that says government money sucks. And it's fantastic. And Mr. Bitcoin and you spoke on the phone today. Hang on. Dave Ridley is with us here. He is uh, the guy from Ridley Report over at RidleyReport.com. Great activist up here in New Hampshire. 
and I share with him his concern that people need to get in the habit, not just in New Hampshire, but everywhere, of recording not just police, but any interaction with government bureaucrats. When Monster Hunter International discovers one of Isaac Newton's wardstones being auctioned off, they decide to steal it and use it to destroy the Chaos God once and for all. But a mysterious thief upends their plan, and it soon becomes a race against time as something much older and infinitely more evil awakens in the jungles of South America. Monster Hunter Bloodlines by New York Times bestselling author Larry Correa and Bane Books. Visit MonsterHunterNation.com for more. Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. We're kicking off the second hour of the program. As always, you can join us here. You can bring up whatever you want. 603 283 6160 in the studio with you tonight. It's Ian and Aria. We've been talking about the latest surprise the governments of the world are spying on people. What? Government would never do that. They're spying on their own people, including some of their own family members, religious figures, uh, business executives, union officials, government officials, presidents, prime ministers, all kinds of spying going on out there. Oh, and journalists as well. In fact, uh, a couple of hundred journalists were on a list of 50,000 phone numbers that were leaked from somewhere and all of this is surrounding a it was Israeli surveillance company called NSO Group. And we'll learn a little bit more about some of these uh, allegations in moments. But NSO Group says it's only selling its hacking software, its malware, that it can infect both, uh, both Android and iPhone devices or uh, iOS devices. Oh, we're only selling it to governments, the, the most... Best governments is what we're selling it to. We're vetting them. Law enforcement agencies, militaries, intelligence agencies from 40 countries all around the planet. But don't worry, they're only going to use it for good reasons. We just can't believe that these these people would be using it against journalists. And why, we're shocked, we say. Shocked. This has basically been their response. Uh, they, they say they don't even have access to their clients' install list or whatever you want to call it their target list so there's a lot of interesting stuff uh coming out here as we continue though we've got dave ridley he's on the line with us because we will talk to you about whatever's on your mind and dave ridley your longtime caller great activist here who made the move to new hampshire as part of the uh, the free state project migration i think you were one of the first movers back in was it 2003 or four Something like that? Four. Yeah, 2004. Wow, I've been here a long time. long time. And he's still out there, still doing activism. You said today was one of your best days in the last couple of years for activist purposes. And you were telling us that not only did you get a bunch more talk radio caller, talk radio uh, shows, information that you can call and reach out to about the ideas of liberty, you also got in touch with Mr. Bitcoin. And that's what you were about to tell us about. Yep. And so he has scheduled a demonstration at the Federal Reserve Building in Boston, which I guess will be either Friday or Saturday this week. So nice. I'll join him, in, God willing, in my Bitcoin Gandhi outfit. Well, I hope you guys and, go up on Friday because they're closed on Saturday because, you know, bankers hours. Yeah. 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 Well, we'll see. I don't know. He says either day, either day will work. We can get more people, though, on Saturday. I have to agree that uh, Friday's better. I mean, you want them to be there. Yeah, this right. isn't about – I don't think this should be about getting a bunch of people to show up. 
I, you know, my opinion, just I, I kind of knew this was happening because Mr. Bitcoin came to the studio as well um, and hung out here for a while. It seems to me like this is more I of a photo. I have not met Mr. Bitcoin. You probably have. Uh, this I've, is more of I've a met fo- the person who wears the costume. Okay. Uh, then this is more of, to me, more of a photo op than, than it is a we're going to get a big crowd in front of the Federal Reserve. Because, number one, the Federal Reserve doesn't care. Okay, whether or not, you know, you have a big crowd. So that really won't matter. But what will matter is getting a nice photograph of you and Mr. Bitcoin in costume because you're Bitcoin Gandhi for listeners that that may not have heard your voice previously. You've got your own costume, your own get up and your own thing that you do. And now Mr. Bitcoin's going to be joining the fun. I would also want a signed autograph, by the way. I'm yeah. At, what, you know what I meant. Yeah. From, from the both of them, picture. Yeah. Well, yeah, hopefully both of them in one picture, right? Right, right, right. And, and a, print out, a print out of that? Yeah, and yeah. have them sign it. That would be fantastic. Be sweet. I would love to have that on the wall of my studio, But, Dave. like, that's the kind of thing that if you can get a picture in front of the Federal Reserve sign with, like, the two of you mugging in front of the, the Federal Reserve sign, that could have viral potential. You know, so. yeah, it might get passed around like the the Twitter universe with all the crypto people on there because they can get they get excited uh, about stuff like that. So anyway, I, you know, also, I hope that you guys can go out whenever is best, you know, for you. He's also planning to go to the uh, FBI field office, I guess, to protest the arrest of you guys. <laughs> uh, and the uh, the other thing is, uh, I guess he, he may be going, he may be going to some other places in addition to that. But nice. if, if you if he Stay tuned to BitcoinGandhi.net. I will post details as they come in regarding when uh, this will be happening. Very like, cool. Friday or Saturday. That is BitcoinGandhi.net. I'm and glad that you guys thing. are teaming up because Mr. Bitcoin, he's so fresh at this. He's so new. He doesn't even have his own website yet. So it's good That's that what he... I was about to ask, whether or not he had one. <laughs> it's good that you've got a site that you can post stuff on. Yeah. Now, there's not any information there about him yet. So this is brand new. But uh, I will be posting it later. And the other thing uh, that has happened is, uh, so I, I've contacted my first state rep for the purpose of trying to get someone to submit secession legislation in New Hampshire. And the very first person I contacted said yes. Ooh. Now, was it the person that I had suggested to you, or was it somebody else? Yes. Although the their yes is somewhat tentative. Uh, he said, you know, you do not have to convince me about the importance and need for secession. Nice. Uh, I would like, Sounds I like would him. like to submit, I would like to submit secession legislation. However, he says he wants to, uh, consult a little bit with other people in the Liberty movement in, in, in the state house to make sure he's not stepping on any other legislation. Okay. You know, it'd be that great makes if, sense. It'd be great if there was more than one, uh, secession piece. I suspect there won't be. So uh, this is great news. I'm really glad to hear it, Dave. It, 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 you know, this at the very least, it's going to get a conversation started to have a piece of legislation put forward to talk about secession. Even if it gets shot down and shot down hard, it at the very least will get some news media coverage. Likely, you know, somebody's going to talk about it. It's, oh, it will be talked about heavily. I mean, I hope so. Wasn't it Rush Limbaugh? Not even a politician mentioned being in favor of secession and it blew up well rush limbaugh wasn't the number one talk show in america so i mean when he says a thing people pay attention it's probably rush is sure. going to get more attention than some little state rep in uh in new hampshire one of 400 but if he can get co-signers on this right because you you always have to have at least like a co-signer on a or co-sponsor on a piece of legislation i think in order to file it uh so the more people sure he, can, he get, can get those yeah the more people he can get to co-sponsor this the better now the tricky thing is this state rep is a new state rep he just got a Elected in 2020, so this will be his his 
first real chance to put legislation in. I mean, they do let you submit it right out the gate when you first get elected. Because in New Hampshire, the the time of the year where they do this is usually in August. Um, so okay. so this year, like August, will be when this needs to get submitted. So it's got to get cut, put together. Like it's probably got to be done with like within the next week or or two or something like that. It's right. kind of short uh, on this, but we're not too late. Uh, but when they get elected, it's sort of past August because it's in November. But that's when they so they like extend the period for that election year. But you okay. don't generally they don't they don't advise that you just sort of waltz into office and throw in a bunch of legislation because usually you don't know a what you're doing to b you don't have any you know real support. So I think this is going to be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what kind of responses he gets from the other state reps, especially the Liberty reps, because I imagine there's going to be some of them that don't want to touch the issue because they're afraid of what people will think. And then there may be some of them who are willing to actually throw down and make this thing happen. So I'm excited. I mean, if they're cowed and they're worried about what people will think instead of being worried about doing what is right, then... That's politicians, though. I mean, uh, they need to give up the desire for power. Yeah, I agree with you. Go ahead, Dave. He can, uh, he can do it by himself. He doesn't need a co-sponsor. Okay. However, it is likely that he will run into various obstacles. For instance, legislative services might refuse to help him with it for mm. some reason, or the people might bring up constitutional issues and say, well, even submitting anything like this would be against this or that uh, law or whatever. There, mm-hmm. There's going to be all kinds of different obstacles. We're gonna, some of us were going to get targeted for doing this, mm. uh, but um, uh, this is the first step, and, yeah. and, and, he, and he seems to be ready to take it. If he can't, there's many other state reps who I know who I can start reaching out to. Well, I would say start reaching out to them now, and that way you can help him find who to talk to about this. I mean, I'm sure he already has some connections, but if you can kind of pre-lay, pre-pave you know, the way for him to make it easier for him to let them know that there's an interest uh, out there for this, I think that would be good. Because if, if, he ha- if he has no co-sponsors, that's a bad sign. That means that no yeah. one is willing to back him. That's like, you know, uh, there's a guy named Dick Marple who did that stuff all the time where he would sponsor things, but no one else would sign on with them, and they just would die immediately in committee as soon as they had their their public hearing. But in New Hampshire, every piece of legislation does get a public hearing. So at the very least, people will come out and speak likely in favor and against this thing. And it'll be an interesting temperature take of of the state reps, where they're at right now, and where people are at generally in New Hampshire. I'm excited, Dave. Thanks for the call. I'm glad to hear all this good news is developing. That's Dave Ridley from Bitcoin Gandhi. I think it was .net. Uh, More coming up here. It's Free Talk Live. Talk Live. You are invited to join us here and take control of the airwaves at 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. In the studio with you, it's Ian. And Aria. Of course, you can bring up anything that you want. We've been talking, or we were talking, we're going to get back into it now, the story about Pegasus. The latest release the latest news release uh the the uh, leak if you will that is revealing yet again surprise surprise that government gangs around the planet are spying on their own people including some of their own government people like there's there's all kinds of people spying on other people in other areas like journalism government agencies well uh, this is typical for governments to do right sure they, they spy, spy, they on, spy on each on other. Forever. Yeah, and they spy on each other. They spy on their allies, their enemies. 
They spy on everyone because they can't trust anyone because everyone who exists is a threat to their power and power is all they care about. Somebody is probably out to get them, out to take them out from power and replace them with their own power structure or whatever. And so they're after people who are, you know, they're journalists. According to the release here, there's uh, 50,000 names, religious figures, business executives, academics, union officials, government officials, presidents, prime ministers, and some of their own family members, uh, some of the president's own family members, for instance. Now, there are 40 countries that hire this company, NGO. Uh, which is called uh, NGO Group, which is an Israeli surveillance company. According to the why civil- would a company, why would a government hire an external company for this instead of using their own spy divisions? That's because the part they don't, I don't have understand. it together. I mean, for the most part, governments are incompetent, right? So, sure. I mean, if somebody's already got, but they're software, really good at doing evil things. Yeah, but they're still not good at doing like technical things they still have to hire people i mean i remember it was probably like more than a decade ago but we were reporting on the the amount of millions of dollars it was hundreds of millions of dollars that the fbi had spent just trying to get email right and this was in the the aughts so it was in the 2000s when this report was out that they'd they'd hired they kept on hiring different it people kept on paying you know dozens if not hundreds of millions of dollars to try to get an email system uh up and functional within the fbi why was it so challenging for them well because the uh the people they hire either are incompetent or are pretending to be incompetent so they can make more money they right? were probably incompetent could be or you or if you are competent and you want to make more money you do just the bare minimum that you're required to do, and then you say, oh, whoops, this job's more complicated than we thought it was going to be. Turns out it's going to cost three times as much. Now, look, we're already into it this far, and you've already paid us the full amount, but look, it's going to cost us more to finish the job. Do you want us to finish the job, or do you want to go and hire somebody else? I mean, I know that's a reality, but I wish yeah. contractors weren't like that. Well, with I government, mean, when I did they IT contract like work, it, it was a sore point. If I... Yeah. Had, I, I did two job, too good of a job with one customer. There was just nothing for me to do. And you don't they come were, back. They were on a retainer with me. So I was like, look, um, I'm taking you off this retainer. It's been, it's been six months. You haven't had any need of me whatsoever. Right. There's no need for you to continue paying me. Well, you're a, an honest person who doesn't probably I strive take, to be. You're not doing government contract work. And a lot, of these people, a lot of these people, they know how to milk it. You know, they know how to get in there and they know how to make as much as they can and never finish the job because you, know, you finish the job, then you don't keep getting paid. And so, well, that's why retainers exist, right? But in this particular case, their needs were just so simple. I mean, it was just a small liquor store in Mississippi, right? Yeah. Well, here was the entire FBI. They couldn't get it right. That's just one example. So you ask, you know, well, governments, what governments can do is they can afford to pay for things, right? Because they got a bunch of money from taxpayers. They have limitless money. Yeah, and they could just print it out if they need it. So they can pay to hire people to do these things. So why would they want to develop their own crappy software, which probably wouldn't work for, for S? Uh, when they could sure. just hire NGO uh, or NS, what are they? NSO or NGO? NGO. Uh, since uh, let's see, they're in is Israel. According to this infographic here, the they've got a consortium that the news media has put together on this project because well, news media people were on the list. Uh, the leaked data identified at least ten governments believed to be NSO customers or NGO customers, who are entering numbers into a system. Azerbaijan, Bahrain, Kazakhstan, Mexico, Morocco, Rwanda, Saudi Arabia, Hungary, India, and the United Arab Emirates. Now, you know, 
Again, I think all I'm governments... I'm puzzled by some of those names. Yeah, all governments, I think, are, are evil and they do terrifying evil things. But I don't know if I've, I would consider, you know, the government of Bahrain and Kazakhstan to be on, like, the top tier of, of most... You know, kindly well, we governments. We out know there. that Saudi Arabia has a horrific record yeah. of human rights violations. Probably, well, I, I, I can't even say that. I was going to say probably one of the worst in the world right now, but that's absolutely not true. But yet, this company claims that they're doing tremendous vetting and making sure that there's no human rights abuses of the governments that they're servicing, which is just a load. Well, the Saudi Arabian government believes that what they're doing is right, so their vetting mm-hmm. process is more than likely just. Government, do you believe what you're doing is right? <laughs> and of course, the government is going to say yes to that. Analysis of the data suggests the client country that was selected, that selected the most numbers, more than 15,000 out of the 50,000 that were leaked, was Mexico, where multiple different government agencies are known to have purchased the Pegasus system. Both Morocco and the UAE selected more than 10,000 numbers, according to the analysis. The numbers which were selected possibly ahead of a surveillance attack spanned more than 45 countries across four continents. There were more than 1,000 numbers in European countries that the analysis indicated were selected by these clients. The And, and the, now they're calling it NSO, so maybe they miss... It was NGO at the beginning of the story. Now it's NSO and the, the rest of it. Anyway, NSO has always maintained it, quote, does not operate the systems that it sells to the vetted customers, government customers, and doesn't have access to the data of its customers' targets. In statements issued through its lawyers, the company denied so-called false claims about the activities of its clients and said that uh, they would continue to investigate the claims of misuse and take appropriate action, whatever the hell that means, because obviously it's they don't It's not like care. they can disable it. Disable the software? Yeah. It's not like, oh, you can't use it anymore. I mean, they could stop updating it for the client or whatever. Maybe. The Israeli minister, uh, oh, here, here's an answer to your earlier question, because you, your question was, was this government connected? Uh, and the answer, the Israeli minister of defense closely regulates NSO, granting individual export licenses before its surveillance technology can be sold to a new country. Translation. If your country's government isn't an ally of the government of Israel, you will not be able to do business with NSO. Yeah, Saudi Arabia is definitely an ally of the Israeli government. Mexico, presumably. I don't know much about the others. Last month, the company released a supposed transparency report in which it claimed to have an industry-leading approach to human rights and published excerpts from contracts with customers stipulating they must only use its products for criminal and national security investigations. Well, the government would never violate a contract. Well, like I said earlier, it doesn't matter. If that's the contract, then that just you can drive a Mack truck through it because everything's criminal. True. All they have to do is say, this act is now criminal. Hence, you know, this completely nonviolent, victimless crime is criminal, so therefore we can use this spy software to spy on people. Or it's, you know, or national security. I mean, that's again. Yep. National security is a huge window of different things. So there's, there's no limitation to this whatsoever. This is just the, co- the company having a cover-your-ass uh, legalese stuff saying, well, they said it was only going to be for criminal investigations. They didn't say they'd be murdering people with it. Well, what are you going to do about it? You can't prove that they murdered them with it, so they're just going to keep on murdering people with it. There's more on the way here. 603-283-6160.
When a lunar observatory detects a radio broadcast originating from Proxima Centauri, the nations of Earth discover their first contact with an alien race may also be their last. With the Proximans facing an extinction-level disaster, Earth must choose between sending a ship on a multi-year journey or allowing nature to take its course. Saving Proxima, a hard science fiction thriller by Travis S. Taylor and Les Johnson. From BaneBooks.com. It's Free Talk Live, and you can join us here. You can bring up whatever you want. The number is 603-283-6160. I don't want to go through the whole story here from The Guardian because it's it is detailed, but well, of course it is. They're upset. Yeah. This stuff was used to attack journalists and or what, to spy on journalists, which is an attack. What I'm going to skip over is just sort of the where they get, you know, these countries are denying now that they're using this. And they just get into you know, the back and forth. And I mean, they would always know. deny it. Does yeah. this company expect the government to be like, oh, you're you're correct. We did use this to murder that journalist. And we're very <laughs> sorry. We won't we won't do it again. Right. Obviously, they're using it for whatever purposes governments uh, are want to uh, spy on people for, which is myriad. We can talk more about that. But there is one little aspect that I thought was worthy of mentioning here about this Pegasus thing, which, again, thousands of names, 50,000 names or 50,000 phone numbers have been leaked as ostensible targets of this Pegasus Corporation, or the, the Pegasus, it's the software, the NSO group is the name of the company. Whether it's uh, actually part of the government is another question of Israel is a, you know still uns- uncertain, but they are working directly with the government of Israel. And basically, you cannot get, as a government of the world, a government gang, you cannot get this software unless the Israeli defense minister approves you. So therefore, you're bas- these basically are government agencies, essentially, because they can't yes. work without permission. Uh, from the state so but the interesting other detail here is well how are they getting this on the phones because the, the traditional method of getting malware of some sort is to trick somebody into installing it right like oh click on this link you know download this file install this thing for xyz reason you'll see pretty naked girls or whatever it is that you know encourages the victim to install the software so how are they doing it here well according to the guardian uh, again, this thing can access pretty much anything that the phone can do. SMS, emails, ch- your chats on WhatsApp, if that's what you use, photos and videos, activate your microphone, activate the camera, record your calls, GPS data, where you are now, where you've been, your calendar entries, your contact books. I mean, they own Everything you. on your phone. They own you. The latest advances, they say that NSO's technology enables it to per- penetrate phones with, quote, zero-click unquote attacks meaning the user doesn't even have to click on a malicious link for their phone to be infected well this company is the definition of evil yeah i don't know how this works but they say that and they've, they've you know they've talked to uh security experts here claudio guarnieri who runs amnesty international security lab uh, was the one that they spoke with about this. He said that he's identified evidence that nso has been exploiting vulnerabilities associated with the the uh the app called iMessage, which comes installed on all iPhones and has been able to penetrate even the most up-to-date iPhone running the latest version of iOS software. His team's forensic analysis discovered successful and attempted Pegasus infections of phones as recently as this month. 
Apple says that uh, they've got the standard line that the iPhone is the safest, most secure consumer mobile device on the market. But according to Amnesty International, that's not true. Well, it may still be the safest, but that doesn't mean it's totally safe. NSO declined to give specific details about its customers and the people that they target. And so, yeah, zero-click attacks. I mean, that's pretty scary. That is scary. Uh, That they can just use some sort of exploit to come into your phone via iMessage or some uh, some other means. And it's not clear how because they can't audit the software. You know, this is closed source stuff. They don't know what it's... You know, it's hard to find it, number one, because the guy that got iced in Mexico, they stole his phone. Whoever killed him took his phone, so they can't, you know, do any forensics on it. But they are presumably whatever. able to find traces of it yeah. after looking on these people's phones. Correct. So maybe they can ultimately get it reverse engineered? Who knows? It's possible, but it doesn't sound like they've got it reverse engineered yet. So, But for the Americans out there who aren't concerned about this because it doesn't appear to be used in the United States... Government agencies within the United States make these programs themselves. If, sure. if this company in Israel can do it, they so can, can it the too. American government. The NSA specifically. They certainly have a way of doing this. Yeah. Uh, so whether or not you're infected is just a question. You know, who knows? And infected with what? Presume you are. Presume they're watching you. Let's go on with your calls and thoughts here. We've got Matt. He's on the line in Missouri. You're on Free Talk Live. Matt in missouri and he's gone uh we got greg in new york city greg you're on free talk live go ahead hey it's been a while since i've called in how are you guys hey greg what's on your mind so i want to ask you about cuba uh i find it interesting as you know i'm sort of a left libertarian Mm -hmm. and you know i have a live it let live and let live attitude towards nations that choose to go one way or the other like north korea or cuba i'm not a big fan of their government but I'm curious, why stop free trade with them? Why bully other countries into not trading with them or businesses around the world say, if you trade with Cuba, then we're going to make sure that you can't trade with us and so forth? Oh, yeah, it's terrible. So, I think that um, people should be absolutely able to trade with Cuba, number one, because, well, freedom, and you should be able to trade with whoever you want to anywhere. Uh, but number two, because... It looks bad when all these communist countries like Cuba and Venezuela and North Korea get to blame the United States or try to blame the United States and say, oh, well, we would be so much better off if we didn't have these sanctions. And the reality is they wouldn't be that much better off because socialism fails and uh, communism fails. And it would be nice to just allow them to fail on their own without trying to help the process Yeah, but they through. would still come up with some other thing to blame. Sure, but then they wouldn't be able to blame the sanctions. True. They wouldn't have that, you know, arrow in their quiver, so to speak. So I'm, I'm with you yeah, on that I mean, one. In that, I agree. I mean, I may disagree about how badly their system would fail. But the thing is, if we're so sure that socialism destroys itself, right, then why did why do the sanctions? Why do we need to accelerate? And, and, and guess what? The sanctions have not, despite the sanctions, they've been around for decades and they're hanging on. Uh, arguably, maybe even better than the surrounding nations like in Jamaica or Dominican Republic who are, you know, trading with the United States. But I'm not even sure that per capita they're actually better off. So, yeah, like I, I don't it's not conclusive to me. So it's why why have the sanctions in the first place? Yeah, totally you know? agree. Greg, thanks for the call tonight. Appreciate it. Six zero three two eight three sixty one sixty is the number here. And although I would say that, you know, even with the sanctions, there's still no excuse for not being able to, oh, I don't know, eat. 
because in like Venezuela, for instance, good luck finding more than you know enough food to feed your family for a day because they're skipping meals, they're going without a ton of calories. People are losing weight every single year there in Venezuela. The, the last time we saw the numbers, well, it was they've shocking. Got literally nothing to eat. That's the thing. Out, it's a it's a temperate climate. There's no excuse, is what I'm saying. Like, if you actually have... Oh, good point. Yeah, I mean, they they should have plenty to eat. Like, so whether or not they can trade with the United States has no bearing on whether or not they should be able to feed themselves. No bearing whatsoever. And they can't. No, it's bad allocation of resources because socialism doesn't allow competition, and competition is what determines the best way to allocate resources. Yeah, and it also doesn't allow your, you know, ability to even make a choice for yourself. Like, you can't even choose, like in North Korea, for instance... You can't choose what crops to plant. You can't choose any details about how to run your farm or whatever. And it's not that terribly different in the United States where you can choose, but if you choose the right crop, the government will grant you a subsidy Mm -hmm. to grow that crop. Yeah, that's true. I mean, there's definitely no free market anywhere on the planet. But the more choices an individual can make, the better off. And in the case of the United States... In most places, we have surplus, right? There's right. there's so much food in the United States that you can't go down the street and throw a stone and not hit a fat person. You know, there's a ton of food being thrown away at restaurants and grocery stores. Like, dumpster diving is a thing in the United States. You could literally live off of dumpster diving. You can't do that in Venezuela. No, excellent point. Not even an option there. But, you know, whether or not the, the countries would have failed with or without sanctions, I'm against sanctions because they don't hurt the governments mm-hmm. of these countries. They don't, they don't they affect the people. The, yeah, they don't affect the Cuban government at all. Those officials are going to continue to eat well until the whole system collapses. But the people, they're the ones who will be suffering. The number, if you want to join us here, 603-283-6160. We did talk last week about the protests that were in the streets there in Cuba. Of course, there have been some brutal crackdowns by the Cuban regime. Yep, there have, as you might expect. I mean, they're not going to just go quietly into the night. Uh, They're going to put up as much of a fight as they possibly can, and they're going to crack some heads as, you know, if that's what it takes to stay in power. The number, 603-283-6160. You can join us here. This is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want here. Somebody called in about Cuba. We're going to talk about Cuba. Interesting things have been going on there over the last week with massive protests across the island. This isn't just in Havana. This is in small towns. It's in the big cities. And, uh, of course, the government gang there has been cracking down. We can talk about that with you tonight. It's Ian. And Aria. As we go back to your calls and thoughts, of course, you can bring up anything. Uh, again, the number here is 603-283-6160. Join us online over at freetalklive.com. You can get interactive with Free Talk Live hosts and listeners of the show over in our social site, which is social.freetalklive.com. It's a lot like Twitter. It's running Mastodon, which is an open source competitor to Twitter, which means that we're running our own social media server, that there's no one, no big tech, mega big tech corporation is standing in between us and you, meaning that you have a whole lot more freedom of speech when you decide to post over at social.freetalklive.com. So head on over there and get started. And there's some cool apps, too, because it's open source. There's like a dozen different apps out there that work with this site. So 
You don't like app A? Try app B or C or D. You know, they've got different feels, different looks to them, which is kind of nice, right? You don't just have you're not stuck with the I one. I think Tusky app. was the one I liked. It was on mobile. I don't know if they ever had a desktop version. I never looked. I don't know. I don't know either. Um, but yeah, they do have that for Android. I don't know if Tusky is available for iOS. I think they've got a different set of apps for iOS. But well, I hope see what you like. I hope our listeners aren't using Apple products. <laughs> Somebody is, I'm sure, out there. I know Bonnie. It's got an iPhone, for instance. She uh, seems fashionable. I mean, that's what Apple yeah. products are, right? <laughs> it's true. They, they are fashion. pieces of fashion. Accessories. Yes, that's the phrase I was looking for. Thank you. <laughs> Let's go to your phone calls and thoughts here. Jet is on the line, calling from Spokane. You're on Free Talk Live. Hey, Jet. Yeah, hi. Um, I'm hoping and praying that this summer will be another summer of enlightenment, you know, where people in Cuba... Hong Kong, France, Venezuela, all these people will learn more and more uh, that, and I think this is the thing that's uh, becoming more common with, um, with access to the Internet, is recognizing that, that the people who are doing all this stuff to them are just other humans. They're just other people with, with their own issues and problems and things like that. And when people become aware of that, then they go, wait a minute. Um, you know, I've been one of those, and you have for a long time, who just says, to say, uh, no, no, no thank you, type of thing. So They are regular people, but there is one distinct difference between your politician and your average person. The politician is evil. Sociopaths. Psychopaths. Well, there's no, no doubt of that. There's no, no argument there. Mm-hmm. But, um, but you might not know that there is one phrase that will help people all across the world, and that is that people with titles are just other people, other humans who have no more right to do anything than you or I do. And that's the thing that I use as my elevator speech. It's true. It's, um, but one thing, I'll, I'll be real short here, but one of the other things I wanted to say to Arya was a couple of weeks ago, um, you kind of threw out this thing about uh, my buddy Jesus saying that uh, that you thought that he told people to pay taxes, where in fact uh, the two accusations that came up against him from the Sanhedrin was, um, number one, that he was subverting the nation. And um, it says, um, what does it say here? It says, we found this man subverting the nation. He opposes payment of taxes to Caesar and claims to be Messiah, a king. So I just wanted to clarify that. Okay. Um, well, your interpretation of the story is as valid as any other interpretation. You, you said that I That's believe... translation. Yeah, and, you know, he was accused of telling people not to pay taxes, and then he basically answered in a way that could be interpreted as, pay your taxes. There certainly are a lot of Christians well, that interpret it that no, way. That's- that's, I mean, I your interpretation, that, that's the issue with God speaking to man through these holy books, right? They have to be interpreted. Who's to say that your interpretation well, is actually, right? I like your interpretation better, thing. but I don't know what Jesus meant. No, it's not good to interpret. The interpretation has already been had. You, you are literally interpreting it, though. I mean, Jesus spoke in parables yeah, more often than not. You have no way of knowing yes, what Jesus was saying without interpreting parables, it. Didn't he? he always explained his parables, didn't he? He didn't now, explain he always, anything about give unto Caesar what is Caesar's. 
Yeah, because it was it was a mind game for him and the other people who were trying. So to Jesus play. was playing mind <laughs> games, and and the children no. of God are supposed to figure out what the God actually wanted as he played no, these mind games. Well, you, remember not only read, that, but if also you read right before that, if you read right before that, um, it'll it'll say how you know they come to him and say, "Oh, Master, we come to you to ask this question because we know you pay no attention to what anybody else thinks." And that then, then they ask the question in this particular way, is it right to pay taxes to Caesar? You know, and that's why he said, okay, you want to mess with me? I'll mess with you. And he, gives, he always gives people the choice. He stands at the door and knocks. He doesn't break down the door and come in. He always gives you the choice to do the right thing. So anyway, I just wanted to clarify that. Well, the reality is, I mean, people interpret it different ways. I mean, there are a lot of Christians who interpret that as an instruction to pay taxes. I and, have no interpretation of it. And then there are um, people like Jet, and thank you, Jet, for the call tonight, who interpret it as to say, well, if it belongs to Caesar, then give it to him. You know, that, not to say that to pay taxes, but to be like, hey, if, if you've got something that Caesar's, then give it back to him. You know, that kind of thing. Uh, so sort of like an anarchist uh, interpretation of of that. The and underlying idea there being that everything belongs to God. Is that, that the idea? Yes. Okay. And therefore, the, the coin is not Caesar's. That's the message. That's the interpretation that Jet was giving. Okay. I We just that. never actually got back into the, his interpretation. But it was. I gotcha. Him basically saying, well, Jesus doesn't own anything, so, which is which is like means that Christians can't believe in private property. And that's how we got into it a few weeks ago uh, as well, because if everything belongs to God, then you don't own anything and I don't have to respect your property rights. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, you've got the Bible, which, of course, is an interpretation of an interpretation, right? Because in a language that I don't read and have no desire yeah. to ever. Well, the the one you might be reading would be an interpretation of an interpretation because, you know, initially, ostensibly, it was God talking to somebody who wrote a thing down. That's the first interpretation. Was that that man who wrote the thing down? And then the the translators who translated the thing that was written down, presuming there wasn't a, a middle group, because I think there was like an approval group, right? Like, wasn't there a group of guys that said, okay, we're going to put this book in, but we're going to keep this book out. We're going to put this book in and keep this book out. I think it was the Council of Trent. Yeah, so that was uh, probably another layer of interpretation that was And uh, not was to mention, you know, there. the scribes that we know added flair to some of the stories to make mm -hmm. them more dramatic. More interesting. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we know that happened. So the book that people are looking at today, no chance of it being remotely like what God conveyed to these people, assuming that God conveyed anything to them. Yeah. I think that, you know, the universe or God or whatever is always speaking and that there's always something being conveyed out there and that it didn't end in Jesus's time or Muhammad's time or whatever. That I would tend to agree. Continue and that you can also personally tap into them. You can, you know, communicate with whatever it is that is greater uh, than its parts. And though I don't believe in the Bible or its, you know, historical validity or well, historical accuracy would be a better term. There, that's not to say that there aren't good things within the Bible. True. Jesus Christ himself, fantastic role model. No doubt. Too but do he... I think he existed and do I think he was the son of God? No to both of those. Sorry. Well, I think Jesus even said that everybody's the son of God. There's actually, a, I don't know, remember which of the verse is, but there's actually a verse in the Bible about that. Like, hey, he called himself the son of man. I don't, I don't recall him 
ever referring to himself as the son of God. I think he said that everybody is basically. I'll have to find that for you, but it's it's one of those it's one of those verses in the Bible that sort of backs up sort of the new age view of things, which is that everyone's connected, that everybody is essentially God and all things are God. So if you want to comment, you're welcome to join us here 603-283-6160, but that's not one of those verses they ta- they teach you in, you know, vacation Bible sure. school. Let's go to because they want you to believe that uh, you're separate, right? They t- for that for the typical kind of Christian belief, the mainstream Christian religious belief, and a lot of religious beliefs is that people are a creation of God and completely separate from God, and that uh, you know terrible things will happen to you if you don't believe their version of uh, of the story. Well, when even if you are a creation of God, that doesn't necessarily mean you have to be separate from that's God. That's true. I mean, we're dealing with a being that would be beyond our imagination, whose Correct. abilities would be beyond our imagination. It's hard to even talk about it. It is. <laughs> Words cannot express. 603-283-6160. We got a full hour to go here. Plenty of time for you, whether you want to talk about theology stuff, or I want to get into a little bit of what's happening in Cuba, because we talked about it last week, and we haven't really come back around to it. Uh, so let's get an update from on the ground there. Uh, we've got some interesting news, and of course, some bad news about crackdowns and arrests and violence on the part of the status quo. More coming up. After a devastating war, the alien visitors were driven back, and their willing human collaborators were left behind to face the music. When Emma Jean Anderson's ex-lover springs her from prison, Nathan Foster and his 14-year-old nephew Ben are tasked with bringing the pair to justice. An easy enough job until they discover something is inside Emma Jean, and the fate of the planet hangs in the balance. The Family Business by Mike Coopery from BaneBooks.com. Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live, kicking off the third hour of the program. Open phones, as always, if you want to join us, you can. Our number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. With you tonight, it's Ian. And Aria. Of course, you can bring up anything you want. We're going to go back to your phone calls and thoughts. But uh, somebody brought up Cuba, and I've had a couple of pieces of show prep in over the last few days. Just And we talk about so much stuff, we just don't get to everything we want to talk about. Uh, but I have wanted to continue the discussion about what's going on over there, where uh, over a week ago, massive protests broke out in the streets, ostensibly pro-freedom protests or anti-communist protests. Well, they were demanding freedom, and seeing as we're Free Talk Live, we should always be discussing it when people are out in the streets protesting and demanding freedom. Well, not always, because some of these are like six people or whatever. But Well, but a lot of the times when people are demanding, quote-unquote, freedom— what they're really demanding is freedom from the rule of so-and-so, but they want to put another sure. person in to rule over them <laughs> so or to rule over the people that they don't like or whatever. So they're not actually looking for freedom in the way that we would think of it, which is to say the freedom to be left alone, the freedom to live your life how you want, as so long as you don't harm somebody else, the non-aggression principle or however you want to put it. And humans seem to have this strange aversion to that, man. They, they want someone controlling them they want they seem to want someone in charge of them telling them what they can and can't do if they don't, I don't want understand it, it if they don't want it they're at least afraid to do anything else but you know they don't, they don't want to stand against it they're just they'd just rather go right. along to get along and 
hey, look, just leave me alone. Let me drink my beer, watch my uh, my sports. Got to love that football. Let's go to Robert. Or he's, rugby, American rugby football. He's in Vermont. Robert, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Hey, there was a woman that called in earlier, I don't know, probably about an hour or so ago, and she said that she works with the foster care system in New Hampshire. Uh-huh. And I just wanted to tell that woman that, you know, I'm not surprised to hear that the states come back and said, well, we found this mark or, or this and that. And I would tell that woman that I wouldn't say anything to them at all at this point because. Well, you know, I suspect that it, when you sign up. So she was just kind of telling us what it was like being in uh, a brand new licensee of the foster care system. In your, I, and I think normally in any given circumstance, you're you're giving a good suggestion, Robert, which is to say, don't talk to the police. It's generally a bad plan. Right. But she's got a license. And so when you have a license to do a thing, you have asked the government for permission. So when you, when you ask the government for permission, you are agreeing to their terms. When you take a government license, you're saying, I am now part of your system. I am, I am willing to do whatever is required of me in order to continue being part of, my, of your system. So therefore, I suspect... Now I haven't not read the agreement myself or whatever, you know, terms and terms of the contract or terms of service are with being a foster licensee, but I suspect that one of them is when the police want to come talk to you or an agent of DCYF or the foster care system or whatever wants to come speak to you, you don't have a right to remain silent would be my guess. My guess is you got to do the interview. Okay, so let me retract a little bit about what I just said, mm-hmm. but what I also want to say is that before you really consider on doing this, see, the family law is different than like criminal law or these other laws. It's a completely different ball of wax. You know, if you have you ever read the book, uh, there is no appeal system, for example, within the American family court system. Right. But hey, have you? There's a book that came out by a guy named Greg Ellis. About a month ago, it's called The Respondent. And the book is about, this is true, where the this Greg Gallus guy is a famous actor. And his wife made some kind of accusation. He did something to the kids. And mm. the Department of Child Welfare went to his house. And the police arrested him in front of his kids. And, and then he was, in, he was charged in the criminal court system, which is different than the family court system, went to jail, you know, he fought, he got out, and he, you know, got his, you know, it all straightened out and everything. But what's really odd, not odd, but what's really sad about this is that this has happened to a number of actors, like, uh, uh, oh, God, I can't remember his name now. Well, it's uh, happened to a lot of people, whether they be actors or not. If you're not right. in, a, if you don't have part of the, you know, if you're not part of the system, if you haven't agreed to the foster care rules or whatever, then you have your rights. And right. in that case, I would, you know, I'm not an attorney, I can't give legal advice, but I would suggest right. you might want to consider not speaking to the police when they come to your door. On the other hand, it's right. usually a bad idea to speak to police if you are a foster person. And thank you, Robert, for your call tonight. If you are part of that system, I don't think that means you've completely 
completely abrogated your rights. It's just that you likely, in order to continue being in the foster, like in order to get another pair of kids or whatever, or another kid in, you know, once you've lost the one or they've, you've given them up, or because our caller has said she didn't want to deal with kids that were that young, so she turned them back in. So I presume if you want to keep getting more kids, you got to do the interview at some point, but you may still be able to lawyer up. So, again, I'm not saying you've lost your rights entirely or signed them away. It's just that if you want to keep playing their game, you've got to keep playing their game. You probably don't have an, a, a Fifth Amendment right when dealing with DCYF mm-hmm. in New Hampshire because I mean, you, you're not presumed guilty. You're not presumed innocent until proven guilty, right? They can't presume that someone who turned over a child who you know, they, they inspected or whatever and they found a bunch of bruises, black eyes on the kid. They, they can't just assume that you didn't do that. Well, I mean, they could, but they won't. Mm-hmm. Right. You're going to be assumed to be guilty, and refusing to talk will just make you look guilty to It them. won't look good. Although, you know, you could still say, put it off, I'm guessing. Like, okay, we'll talk, but let me call my attorney first and let's schedule mm-hmm. an appointment. This is not a good time for me, right? I'll True. come tomorrow or the next day or whatever. Um, so I would say... Look into your rights about this. If you want, if you're part of the foster system and you're wondering what your rights are, I bet you there are attorneys who uh, specialize in this area. Now, again, you know it's not like our caller had pointed out she's not doing this for the money, and there's not really money that can be made off of this. So it's not like people are just rolling in uh, the well, Benjamins. the state's making money yeah. off of this. Oh yeah, I'm just otherwise saying, they wouldn't do it. Like the the people who are the parents aren't like rolling in dough right. to where they could probably easily hire an attorney. But that said. That's probably one of the only ways that you can protect yourself in a, in a situation where you've agreed to the state rules, which is a whole other story than just being approached by whatever state agents just because somebody in the neighborhood called on you and you're not part of their system. You're not a foster care parent. Then you have certainly more rights. Yeah. Whereas if you are part of foster care, you've likely signed some of your rights away. Keep that in mind. 603-283-6160. Cuba. Let's get an update here from uh, DNYUZ.com. Guillermo Farinas, a veteran Cuban dissident known for long stints in prison and frequent hunger strikes, said he couldn't believe his eyes as the police station he was briefly held in following mass protests on Sunday filled up with unfamiliar faces, many of them teenagers. Now, just so you know, this was last Sunday. He didn't recognize any of them from traditional opposition circles, he said. I told the state security guard who arrested me, you're going to have to change, he said. This is the people, and they're not, and not just the people, but the youth. Look at them. They've decided they're not just going to continue leaving the country. They want change here, unquote. In the aftermath of a well remarkable said. wave of demonstrations across Cuba over the weekend, the government detained dozens of people in a crackdown that activists described as the largest in years, perhaps even decades. Well, Well, wasn't it also the largest protest in years? Yeah. So it would receive the largest crackdown. Of course. One longtime human rights activist said the nationwide sweep of arrests was comparable only to the crackdown that preceded the 1961 invasion at the Bay of Pigs. Amnesty International said Tuesday it had compiled a list of 150 people detained in the wake of Sunday's demonstrations. And since then, obviously, there have been quite a few more. I don't know what the current estimates on that are. But we can tell you a little bit more here about uh, what's been going on. The crackdowns are happening. And now Biden is starting to change his tune. If you recall last week, the official statement from the State Department as of May was that they weren't going to change anything about what Trump did to restrict remittances, for instance, to Cuba. People in families in the United States being able to send money to their loved ones that are still on the island. Will that be changing? We'll look at that coming up, too. It's Free Talk Live. 
It's Free Talk Live, and the phones are open as always if you want to join us here. Our number, 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Protests in the streets in Cuba. Uh, They've been going on for like a week. I'm not sure what the current status is of them, but they're still getting news. Are they ongoing? I believe so. I believe so. Um, They're still getting news. And the crackdowns have been occurring since at least last weekend, when, which was shortly after they started. Uh, as of Sunday, they had arrested a couple of hundred people. Uh, Amnesty International had compiled a list of at least 150 people detained in the wake of just Sunday's demonstrations. And this was not this last Sunday, but the, the one prior. And according to DNYUZ.com, the Movimiento San Isidro, a Cuban dissident group led by artists and academics, tallied 171 reports of people who were detained or who vanished in the wake of protests. Well, what the system in Cuba needs to realize is if this if the guy who we quoted a minute ago is correct and these are these are young people, Mm -hmm. then the Cuban system is done. It won't survive. It's only a matter of time. Yes. Even you, you, if they, even if it survives these protests, it's just a matter of when. Right? Yeah, I don't know how to tell the Cuban government this, but, you know, older people tend to die faster and more often than younger people. Young yes. people will inherit the earth. They will inherit Cuba. And Cuba will become whatever it is they want it to be. And I hope that that means that they will they will see an end to a communist system there I would in, hope so. in Cuba. Um, so... Check it out. Uh, go learn more about it when you get a chance. But I also wanted to get you know, the Biden administration response on this. And because last week when we talked about this initially, the official statement from the State Department was that they weren't going to do anything differently from the Trump administration. They were going to continue the Trump uh, restrictions on remittances and that sort of thing. So I, I definitely want to check in and see because apparently there's been some change in what they've been saying. We'll see if it's actually meaningful. I would love to. For it to be because Joe Biden is like, oh, these socialists want to blame the collapse of socialism on these sanctions? Well, then let's get rid of the sanctions. Let these socialists take responsibilities for their actions. I, I know that's not it, but I would love for that to be the case. Cubans reported, this is again back to DNYUZ.com, seeing a strong presence of security forces on the streets Monday and Tuesday, and many families who were desperately trying to track down loved ones who were detained or who vanished after the demonstrations. The Cuban government said one person was killed during a disturbance in Havana on Monday, but you can't believe the government's numbers. Veteran dissidents, however, said the repression was to be expected following what many call the biggest day of protest in the country since the Cuban Revolution, forcing Cuba's leaders to acknowledge the severe economic crisis that had sent thousands into the streets. Many described it as a potential turning point in a country where the Communist Party has managed to stifle even small challenges to its authority for decades. Journalist uh, Yoani Sanchez said in a brief podcast on Tuesday, quote, the spark has been lit, ladies and gentlemen. There's no turning back. People felt what it's like to scream freedom in the streets of Cuba. And last um, a few days ago, I saw a just a wide shot. I don't know if it was Havana or where it was of. I mean, I don't know if it was a fake photo, but it sure looked amazing. There were thousands. I mean, maybe hundreds of thousands of people just in this massive line with like signage at the front of the line it was like a totally flat front of the line with right. had, had some signage at it and then just as far as the eye can see people behind them marching that's awesome just absolutely incredible and it's not surprising i mean being able to stand up for yourself and you know tell an authority tell a ruler no it's it's addictive 
It is. So it's not surprising that these people will go home and tell their friends, oh my God, I thought for myself. I stood up for myself. You have to try it. It's yeah. amazing. And and people, I, mean, I don't know if there were that many people to go home to at this point, unless they just couldn't leave their house, because it seems like there were a lot of people in the streets. One Cuban actor, Danielle Triana, who was held in a Havana detention center for about 24 hours, described a flood of protesters being led into the cell where he was kept. And that alone, even though, you know, you're going through the negative process of being arrested, right? That's never a really a positive experience for most people. No, it always sucks. It usually sucks. But it sucks less when you're being arrested in a large group of protesters because then you can kind of have a little bit of fun. And let me give you an example of this. When uh, we had a an event here in Keene, now we've never had the numbers like Cuba does, right? right. But we've had several dozen people at certain protests like the the 420s that happened here a long time ago and then once upon a time we went to the new jail when they built the jail here in Keene. there was one that was the old jail they built a new 10 40 million dollar facility or whatever it was uh and they had just opened this new jail and and russell canning who was one of the earliest activists to move here was being held in that jail at the time and so we were used to going to the jail to do protests whenever somebody would go to jail or whenever they'd get out of jail or just whenever we felt like going to, you know, somebody was in jail protesting, we'd like walk around the jail, the old jail. And so we kind of went to do the same thing we've always done. We walked around the jail. We ended up seeing Russell at his jail cell window and like waved at him and because there was no fences or anything like that. There was nothing to keep us from walking around the entire facility. Well, That's appa- surprising. Appa- yeah. Well, apparently at some point. They, we were all gathered out in front of the jail, and there was like at least 50 people. This was a fairly large event for what we had going on here in New Hampshire at the time. And this was, I don't know, 20, must have been 2010, because 2010 was the year I got arrested three or four times in one year. So more than a decade ago. And apparently some jail bureaucrat came out and told us to leave. Well, I didn't hear it, and neither did a bunch of other people. So we walked around the jail again. Well, it's government property anyway. Yes. Does he have the authority to tell you to leave? Well, they think he does because the Keene police showed up as we came back around the jail for the the second loop around. And uh, when the Keene police arrived, they arrested all of us, uh, all 12 of us who who were left. Actually, it was nine of us who were arrested. And at the same time, we were arrested. Nobody, our our co-host named Nobody, who then was named Rich Paul, he arrived with a couple of friends, and they were arrested, even though they just arrived. Wow. Their charges ended up getting dropped, but the rest of us ended up going to trial over this, and it was called the Trespass of 12. If you go to freekeen.com and type in Trespass of 12, you'll probably find some, some old articles about this. But the reason I bring up the story was because they arrested a dozen activists at one time, and we're literally right there at the jail, so it was easy for, the, for <laughs> you know them to get us to the jail. And when we were in the jail, we actually were being held in the booking area, like you know we were when we were arrested uh, back in March, yeah. except we had, you know, twice as many people as we'd had in this this other jail. And we were of good spirits, right? Because we were there at a protest. We were in the protesting spirit. Sure. So we started singing protest songs in the jail cells. And there's nothing they could do about it. You know, they can't force you to stop singing. They're not going to... It's the keen spiritual retreat, as we like like to call it here. They're not going to come in and swing a truncheon at you or anything like that. Well, they throw you in solitary or something, though? You're already in a... Uh, you're, you're, you, they can't put you in solitary because you haven't been booked yet. Oh, okay. At that point. So you're you're being held in <laughs> gotcha. basically the booking area. So we just had a good old time in there just singing and talking and hanging out until we all finally got cut bail and we got out of there. 
So it's not always the, a terrible experience. And having okay. dozens of your friends in jail with you all at the same time changes things, right? In the same way that it changes things when you've got a courtroom full of activists in the seats, you know, watching a court trial. Yeah. Um, I remember one of the Adamo Freeman trials, one of the founders of Cop Block, when we were in Manchester, we had dozens of people in that courtroom. And we were laughing at the bureaucrats when they would tell lies on the stand and just... I mean, the, the whole atmosphere changed because we had more people than them. Even that's a beautiful we, thing. I yeah. mean, we draw support from our friends and our family. That's just all there is to it. The more of our friends and family we have there, the more, the stronger we are. Exactly. So even when the crackdown's happening, if you've got people with you, it makes a huge difference. There's more coming up. It's Free Talk Live. Do you feel like your country no longer holds your values? Have you dreamt of a place where liberty-minded people can come together and leave government overreach behind? There are many people just like you that are discovering FreePrivateCities.com. They start at FreePrivateCities.com and connect via the social media links shown there. All skills will be needed when the first of the Free Private Cities open. It's sooner than you think. Stop arguing and build FreePrivateCities.com. FreePrivateCities.com. All right, so correction. I was trying to pull up the photo that I was describing. And according to Gizmodo, it's actually from 2018. <laughs> it is Cuba. Is it uh, Black Lives Matter protests? No, it's May Day. Okay. Which is a communist day. Oh. So, wasn't quite what I thought it was. But, you know, that's, that's the internet for you. People, At least it's from Cuba. Yeah, people share things that, uh, you know, aren't really what they seem to be. But that said, there really are large protests going on. And you can see some interesting photos uh, if you look for them. And there are thousands of people in the streets. So just because that one photo was fake doesn't mean that there aren't real photos that are out there. And there are really a lot of people out there that are protesting this stuff. Uh, that's what we're talking about right now because, well, you know, we like freedom here on Free Talk Live, and these people are saying that's what they want, so we're going to talk about it. You can join us, 603-283-6160. It's Ian and Aria in the studio. That's 603-283-6160. And what brought all this up was one of our callers, um, Greg in New York, who pointed out that, you know, why does the U.S. government have to put all these sanctions on, economic sanctions on countries like Cuba? Let them fail on their own volition. You don't have to push communists to fail. No, they seem to do a pretty good job of it on their own. Right. And, and so, when you do push them, you just give them the excuse to say, oh, well, that got in the way. Right. It was all the U.S. government's fault. If it weren't for the U.S. government, then we'd be just fine, is what they all say. But why isn't it self-sustaining anyway? Well, because it's the U.S. government. They cut us off from all the trade, therefore we fail. But that, that doesn't explain why Venezuelans pe- Venezuela's people are starving. The U.S. government is cutting us off from everyone everywhere in the world, and how can we do anything without having good relationships with the U.S. government? I mean, so it's not like the there's US 189 like, other countries in the world. Did the U.S. government just like, way lace to all of their farming land? <laughs> right. Irradiate the soil? I mean, uh, The U.S. government won't let us buy seeds. They won't let us buy farming equipment. I don't know what they would say. It's, it's, it's a they, load. They, they would always have yeah, something, and if they load. ran out completely, they would just say, well, that wasn't real communism. That's right. That's true. And they will say that. They will. They, they always will. And that's what people like Bernie Sanders are already saying about it. Oh, about well, that's not real socialism. 
Even though he was praising Venezuela back in, I think, 2012. Mm, if not uh, prior to that. It he may was have been earlier. He was definitely praising it when it was under Chavez's rule in Venezuela. Right. And it was every bit as tyrannical and going down the train then. It just it takes time for communism and socialism to fail. Yeah, that's true. Because there's usually when they impl- implement it, there's wealth. Because Venezuela was a fairly wealthy nation for South America. You know, when you compared it to other South American countries, it was doing fairly well to... Plus it had the oil, ago. right? Uh, and they, you know, the oil derricks or the the oil system hadn't completely broken yet. Because again, when they nationalize the oil, when they nationalize these companies, when they take over, there's wealth there, and they have yeah. to squander it. There, and it takes some time to squander and tax and destroy that which has already been created. So we're talking about, uh, but the, man, are they good at it? Yeah, we're talking about the Cuban protests. Dnyuz.com reporting here. One of the things we talked about last week when first bringing this up and discussing this is how the internet is a game changer for organizing movements like this. That now people can show photos of what's going on. They can get the word out directly because Cuba's a communist country. Like a lot of communist countries, for a long time, there was no independent reporting. There's the. Uh, this is why North Korea doesn't allow the internet, by the way. Correct. The newspaper in Cuba is the communist official party newspaper. Just like how in North Korea, the only television you can watch is communist television, is run by the state. So's the newspaper in, in, commu- uh, in I'm Cuba. I'm suddenly immensely curious to watch just your average North Korean sitcom. They don't have them. They don't have. They have to have something for entertainment on television, right? No. No? No, it's not very entertaining. It's um, I've seen some clips of it or whatever, and it's pure state propaganda. If you tune into something like a North Korean television, there's only one channel. Okay, right. so, it's, and, so the government isn't even competing with, its, with itself. Yeah, and the last I read, which was uh, the book that I read while I was in jail, and thank you to whoever sent it to me. I still don't know who it was. One of the best books I read in jail was called Dear Leader. And it is a book about a, a man who worked for the North Korean government and was like one of their top poets, basically. Okay. And of course, his job is to write pro-government poetry, right? I'm already tempted to buy this book off Amazon when I get home. It's great. Um, and it talks about how he kind of came to the realization that he should get the hell out of there. Um, Good for him. And does, and ultimately makes a run for it and kind of tells the whole story about running into China and trying to get out of China and then the whole thing. Which probably isn't much easier than trying to get out of North Korea. It's just bigger. Yeah, it's an interesting story. So this guy, um, oh shoot, what the hell was the point of the, I was going to tell that story about? Uh, oh, um, so, you know, he's in North Korea. So he kind of tells a little bit about the media, right? Because he's involved in the media. He's writing newspaper articles. He's, he's you know, propagandist, essentially, for the government. So you tune into the TV there. First of all, it's not on 24 hours a day. It's got broadcast time. So it's on, you know, from X time in the morning to X time at night, and they sign off. And it goes well, they off don't the want air. people staying up all night watching television. Well, right. And there's no one to compete with. It's the state channel. So right. they'll put on whatever they put on whenever they put it on. And it's just pure government propaganda. So you might see something about... Kim Jong Il or Kim Il Sung, the uh, you know the great dear leader who was the grandfather, or the father of Kim Jong Il, and you know his history and you know all the false uh, history that they've made up to make these men into gods, essentially. 
Right. So you'll see something about that, probably something about the military, recent whatever government quote-unquote news that they want you to see. There's nothing there to entertain you in the classical sense of what you're thinking of. If you want sitcoms, you have to get a flash drive smuggled in someone's rectum across the border, plug that into your smuggled computer or whatever, and watch South Korean sitcoms. So you can get them. You just have to violate you know, whatever federal law that says you can't watch TV from South Korea or anywhere outside of North Korea or it's a, you know, you're going to be uh, going sent to the gulag. It's insane to me to think about this because, you know, I don't give a whole lot of thought to North Korea because I don't know a whole lot about North Korea. Neither but, do I. But, but the level know. of propaganda that these people must steep in, now oh, I'm yeah. imagining that every single poem to which one can gain access in North Korea is it one must that glorify the state. Yeah, that's, mm-hmm. I can imagine the level of brainwash that the North Korean people must be under. It's insane. I mean, we can look at that and we can go, oh my God, that's horrific. These people are very clearly demonstrably being brainwashed, but they're inside of that system. Correct. From birth, that's what happens to these people. You have to have, it's one of those things where you got to have like a picture of dear leader up in your, your home. You know, you can't have, there's no picture of Jesus that's up in somebody's home. There's no picture of anybody. You know, I don't even know if you can put your family members' photos up. You've got to put Kim Il-sung and Kim Jong-il. Uh, their photos have to be up in your liter- living room or you're like an enemy agent. You're subversive. If Does you their leader do go into these sorts of things? It touches on a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and so all we really know from North Korea is what people tell us. Because if you go there... Because they do allow for some tourism. Yeah, but you're followed by yes, you or are. escorted by government agency the entire time. And you're only allowed to go to very specific places. And you can only take very specific photos. Oh, yeah. And they will be auditing your camera before you leave to make sure you didn't take any And you can't send any out, any out because you have no internet. <laughs> right. So that's one of the game changers in Cuba was in the last decade or so, they started to allow for internet access. And it was terrible in the beginning, but now it seems like it's somewhat working. And so according to DNYUZ.com, uh, according to the Cuban actor who was detained, he said a lot of people throughout the country are still detained. I would say hundreds. In my wing, there were dozens of people and were bringing in more when I got there and they were bringing in people when I left. A uh, member of Movimiento, Movimiento San Isidro said the recent protests were enabled by widespread internet connectivity on the island, a relatively new phenomenon. Quote, it's been a very effective means to speak out, she said, noting the flurry of online videos, many of them broadcast live, that gave people around the world a real-time glimpse of what was happening inside Cuba, I would say, for probably the first time in history. As the protests unfolded, quote, we've managed to get out a lot of content showing what the regime does. But internet service was soon shut down across the country, and many activists have reported trouble connecting this week. The number is 603-283-6160. So this is where you got to have mesh networking, you got to have alternatives ready to go. There's more on the way. You can join us here. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live, open phones. If you want to join us here with you tonight, it's Ian and Aria. Uh, go to dial us up anytime you want, 603-283-6160, as long as it's between the hours of 7 and 10 o'clock at night Eastern Time. You can also call us on our SIP line. And so far, only one person's ever done it successfully, and that's TJ the Spy. 
Um, and I've made a little subdomain, so you can go to sip.freetalklive.com, and that'll take you to an instructions page on how to set up your SIP client. Uh, it's not a complicated process, but it'll take you 10 minutes or something like that. So once you get it set up and you can call in, then it's like, boom, one button press. It's easy to call from that point forward, and you'll sound almost like you're sitting here in the studio. Check out sip.freetalklive.com for those instructions. As we continue here, we've been talking about the uh, the Cuban situation there where there's a ton of protesters out over the last week or so. Of course, there have been a lot of arrests. There have been some violent crackdowns. And because they have Internet access, or at least they had it at some point, the government's apparently sure. been trying to cut off the Internet connections. Um, but because they've had Internet uh, connections, you can see videos of Cuban police beating people, for instance, and that those videos have come out over the last week. And so even if they cut the internet connections, the Cuban people still have devices with which these videos can be recorded. And, and then so, shown to others. Eventually, that videos, those videos, even if the internet's off in your area, you can get those videos out once the internet comes back, presuming it does uh, at some point. So it's a game changer when, when people actually have the ability to communicate. Yes, the government can use the internet to oppress, as we learned earlier in the show tonight, with the yes. spy software and the hacking tools that they're using to gather intelligence and gather information about people. But the other side of the, the sword is But freedom that, is always the beautiful flower growing up through the sidewalk. I mean, and that's... Yes. People will always find a way to communicate. They will always find a way to protest or to spread their ideas. So after the Internet access was shut down, dissidents said the government appeared to be restricting access uh, to a tool that poses a dire threat to its hold on power. Surprise. Said the artist, quote, the only thing that gave us the bravery to hit the streets was seeing that other people were also doing it, which is exactly what you were saying earlier, Arya. He said cutting the Internet will squash all the security that we had. So coming up, I do want to look at what the Biden administration is saying now, because before they were saying they were going to just keep the Trump policies in place. But first, let's go to Jimmy. He's on the line. Well, he wouldn't say where he is, but he's on Free Talk Live. Jimmy, you still there? Yeah. Yeah, I'm still here. I'm in the United Kingdom, right? Uh, well, I don't know. It we sounds like you might be. Again. We have all not begun freedom of speech, but apparently it's freedom there here in the UK. The Metropolitan Police. I've been treating people like the Cubans. Hi, what a mask policy. The British in the United Kingdom? Yeah, I am, yeah. No, 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 I no. Mean, this it's... is happening in the, the Metropolitan Police in the United Kingdom are treating people the way that the Cuban police are treating the Cuban You're protesters. You're saying they're, yeah. beating, they're yeah. beating people over not wearing yeah. masks? Yes, and there's loads of videos on that on YouTube. Yeah. There really is. Yeah. I saw that there was news about uh, apparently they're going to be restricting access to nightclubs coming soon. Like you'll have to have vaccinations. No, gonna... no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. Forgot what I said. It's Uber Deer now in England. It's what? You know, it's Uber Deer. The rules are Uber. No masks. No anything. I can't make out the half of what this guy's saying. Dude, the Scottish Uber. accent is thick. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, the guy with the pink hair, right? Sure. I think you're a lovely guy. You got legibility. You've got charisma. Do you know the other guy who's maybe telling you what to say? The guy with the black hair. Please get rid of him because he's, <laughs> he's my boss. I'm not your boss. <laughs> no, 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 no. Listen. I think the guy with the pink hair who has the legibility and charisma could do a better show. And he needs to lose this guy with the black hair. I'm holding you back, Aria. Thanks for the call, Jimmy. 
Well, interesting. I got to say that I I was surprised <laughs> by Jimmy's call there because all of a sudden he talked about a thing. When I tried screening his call, all he could do was just say things about how bad Free Talk Live was. Maybe he meant just me because apparently he likes <laughs> it, you. It seems he meant just you. <laughs> Let's go to Josie in Virginia. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Josie. Good evening to you. I am just burned to a crisp on hearing uh, the worst punishment that uh, you can give in this country is solitary confinement. And Mm. then there are these people that were not rioting, but entering and trespassing the Capitol on the 6th of uh, January. And they are still in a jail six months later uh, with no due process and it wow. just burns me up. I am so angry about it. We're not supposed to be like these other countries like Cuba and the rest of them. We're supposed to be the United States, and we're supposed to have proper trials and proper... Anyway, there was uh, on the news that one man was confined for another six months in jail. Of What, for trespassing? I never heard of such a thing. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I mean, they, they, in this country, they are not kind when it comes to doing something that is against the state. You could go out there and actually beat somebody and hurt somebody and, you know, cause an actual violent crime. And in a lot of cases, somebody who is disobedient will actually be punished harsher. And they did all summer. They were beating people and, and uh, uh, burning and looting and so forth. And they had no anything to them. And then what I am finding out uh, from Revolver.News, and I don't do computers, but the man there is Darren Beatty, and he discovered that only a month ago there were some people that were uh, trying to kidnap uh, this awful woman who is the governor of Michigan, and they were caught and so forth. Mm-hmm. But anyhow, the leaders of these people were never put in a jail or or a process that's because they were probably federal agents that's what well, i was going to suggest the problem. that's what i brought to bring up yeah at revolver.news will say that that they have these leaders in the capital in the 6th of january who were saying exact and doing the exact same thing the man's last name i think is stewart he's never been prosecuted and he was the one with very very inflammatory rhetoric inciting to riot the people that were following him, and I think they were oath keepers, and those are very decent people that want to follow the Constitution. In my experience, the oath keepers tend to be pretty freedom-friendly guys. Um, I've I've never met Stuart Rhodes, but I I know uh, Chris Reitman, former co-host here on Free Talk Live, was the head of oath keepers for uh, New Hampshire for some time. I don't know if he still is, but thank you, Josie, for your call tonight. Yeah, if you look into that story with the, uh, the Michigan governor kidnap story, Surprise, surprise, there were federal agents that were inside that particular group, and you know just because of the way they've been doing these things, like with every time you see a so-called terrorist get arrested in the United States, every single time, it is the federal government that pushing is actually that, yes. yeah, pushing them. Creating oh, people to arrest. Yeah, giving them the, the means, giving them the encouragement, giving them the supposed bomb-making supplies or the guns or the, you know, the van with a bomb in it or whatever, which, of course, they don't have. It's not an actual bomb in the van, but they say that it is or whatever, and then they give the person the keys, and as soon as they you know, take the keys or put them in the ignition or whatever, then they're like, okay, you're under arrest. You're a terrorist that we created. We Who probably never would have been a terrorist without you know, this propaganda being spewed at them from a government agent. So here's the latest on the Biden administration. 
Because remember last week when we talked about the Cuban protests, we talked, we discovered that Trump had actually made life more difficult for the Cuban people by restricting remittances. And then Biden was like, yeah, but that Trump guy, he did okay, and we're going to leave what he did in place. That was what the State Department under Biden said back in May. Biden himself didn't comment. But now, according to Archive, well, according to the Miami Herald, as thanks to Archive.today, uh, the administration will form a remittance working group. To identify the most effective way to get remittances directly into the hands of the Cuban people, said the official, adding that the State Department will review planning to augment staffing of the U.S. Embassy in Havana to facilitate diplomatic, consular, and civil society engagement and an appropriate security posture. So they're not going to actually do anything. They're going to form a a working group. They're going to put some bureaucrats together and And they're they're going to come up with a plan. They're going to talk about this. And how long they're going to talk, we don't know. And what their plan's going to be, we don't know. What they could do is say, okay, Western Union, you can resume doing business. And then people would be able to send remittances again. But it goes through a Cuban government military corporation called like Finsimex. Finsimex is what it's called. And so therefore, that's the excuse the government is using to say, well, we can't just let you send money through Finsimex because the government will get a piece of it. So therefore, no more remittances. So Biden is still backing Trump. They haven't changed their perspective on this at all. They're going to try to find a way to send money to the Cuban people without going through Finsimex. How's that going to happen? They're going to float in, uh, you know, bottles uh, on the ocean? The only way I know of to be able to do it would be to take actual cash there. Actual airdrop it from yeah. an airplane or something that, like that? I don't know what else would work if they don't want to go through Finsimex. I suspect there's surface-to-air missiles there that would prevent that from happening. But out of time for tonight. So, yeah, no real change from the Biden administration at this point. They're going to form a working group. They're going to come up with something. We'll see. Don't get your hopes up. Uh, Meanwhile, the Cuban people, they're trying to change things. We'll see you tomorrow. The Crypto Six are preparing to defend ourselves against the state. On March the 16th of this year, the federal government came after Free Talk Live. They raided the studio. They arrested several of our hosts, one of whom, Rich Paul, also known as Nobody, remains in custody. They picked us thinking that they would find easy targets. Man, were they wrong, because we do not intend to back down. Visit thecrypto6.com to find out how you can join the war for freedom and financial liberty. Bitcoin isn't a crime. Cryptocurrency isn't a crime. Don't let the powers that be take control of cryptocurrency and establish the likes of Coinbase, Gemini, and Kraken as the next J.P. Morgan, Bank of America, and Wells Fargo. Keep cryptocurrency decentralized and beyond the control of the federal government. Go to thecrypto6.com to learn more about how you can join this fight. thecrypto6.com